I would speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Leadership. I think we all would agree that being a good leader is something we all need to be prepared for in life at some time, even if leadership isn't what we'd ever consider to be our strongest suit. As the Summer Olympics in Tokyo begin this upcoming week, which I've been very much looking forward to, we will certainly begin to see some of the greatest leaders in the sports world as they compete in the games. But at the same time, we'll also see a different kind of leadership that comes to us in the form of different teams from all over the world. And at the end of the summer, whether or not it's been swimming or gymnastics or soccer or whatever, all the athletes will be representing their own specific national teams. And all the medals earned will be counted not just for the greatest individual athletes, but for the national team all of these athletes are there to represent. And I imagine that whether or not you yourself have been a leader or you've simply worked or served on a team, all of us can remember a time when we've come into contact and been influenced by someone we felt truly lived into that idea of what a great leader and team builder is. Maybe it was your boss or your manager you worked under in your early career. Maybe it was a coach who helped guide you to be the best you could be in the sport that you were involved in. Maybe it was a teacher or a professor or an educator who helped you see more clearly what you were trying to learn or do or accomplish and achieve it. Maybe it was just someone who inspired you when you saw their own actions and you learned about their own accomplishments and successes, and then they were able and willing to share that with you freely and openly. I know all of us has someone in our life that fits this bill perfectly. A week or so ago, I got a text from one of our All Saints parishioners, Bob DeLoach, who along with his wife, Nancy, some of you know, have been very involved in our Boy Scout troop here at the church. And instantly it reminded me of this image of leadership. Bob sent me a text while he was out at the Boy Scout High Adventure Camp, Philmont, in Cimarron, New Mexico. And he sent it to me because he knew that when I was a Boy Scout, I had gone on my own pilgrimage to Philmont. So he sent me a photo of the camp's most famous symbol, the Tooth of Time, which is a big rock face in the mountain that rises 2,500 feet from the valley floor. When I saw the photo and I sent my thank you to Bob for thinking about me and sending it to me, it instantly brought back to my memory that great scouting adventure that I'd had when I was 13 or 14 years old. I can still vividly remember hiking up into the, the mountains on that first day and really feeling the weight of a 20-pound backpack. And I can remember setting up my tent each and every evening. And more importantly, I remember each and every evening hanging all of our food in a bear bag several, uh, nearly half a mile away in order to keep the black bears from invading our campsite. That's very cool for a young boy, I can tell you that. And in the end, I can remember covering over 50 miles of backcountry hiking. I also, anytime I remember being a Boy Scout, I always remember that I was probably the slowest hiker in my entire troop, with a long history of falling far behind 
in most of those treks that we took in the years that led up to our trip to New Mexico. My wonderful scoutmaster, Mr. Jim Becker, a man who I can still say had a profound impact on my life in those few years I was a Boy Scout and who, sadly, I just discovered this past weekend as I was working on this sermon that he passed away back in December of last year. He was so wonderful because he always, I remember, took the time to fall behind in those hiking trips and stay in the back of the trip with me as we walked along through the mountains and trails. And so when we arrived at Philmont in New Mexico and we were preparing for our hike there, I'll never forget the announcement that Mr. Becker made that surprised all of us who'd gathered together. He told us that it would be me and one other slower guy in the troop who would become the leaders of our hikes in the backcountry each and every day that we were there. I know that greatly and instantly disappointed some of my good friends who were a lot better, faster hikers. And honestly, I myself in that moment remember thinking, what in the world is he up to? Yet as we got started, I suddenly began to realize the masterful decision of this grand plan he'd made, not only for the whole troop, but especially for me. For not only was he ensuring that his slowest Boy Scout would not get lost out there in the New Mexico mountains, or worse, get eaten alive by a black bear or a mountain lion. Mr. Becker also, I think, knew that by putting me there in the front, he could help me learn to work harder and improve each day in setting and keeping the pace that we needed in our hike. He was giving me that responsibility and he was presenting me with something that I'd never had before in my hiking trips in the past. He was giving me real encouragement from my fellow scouts. And that's exactly how I remember it going. I'm sure I slowed everybody down from the very start, but that honor and that encouragement I received quickly changed everything. And all these years later, I have no memory whatsoever of that trip having a failure or disappointment within it. I only remember doing better each day, feeling more connected to all of my friends and succeeding for the first time as a team leader. And to this day, I think of that trip in my time with Mr. Jim Becker, an excellent scoutmaster for Troop 488 in Corbin, Kentucky, as a pivotal life-changing experience for a young boy growing up at that time with a single mother in the struggle and poverty of the Appalachian Mountains of Eastern Kentucky. And I bet right now, hopefully as I've told you this story, all of you have remembered someone that has impacted you in this way in your own lives. Someone who didn't just focus on achieving the goal that they'd set for whatever it was all about that they needed to accomplish, but someone who went the extra mile to include you and everyone as part of the team for the betterment of all and more importantly for the building up of that greater company, that greater team, that community or that group of individuals. That's true, meaningful, impactful servant style leadership. And what I think so amazing is that this type of servant leadership isn't something that humanity figured out on its own or fashioned out for ourselves. For our very religious faith as disciples of Jesus Christ has been built upon that ideal of being that kind of leader out of the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ on earth and really long before that from the love of God that goes all the way back to creation. 
This morning's readings from the Holy Scripture return us to one of the most important images of Jesus ever given in the New Testament, the image of the Good Shepherd, the truest servant leader who leaves behind the 99 in order to save the one and who's willing to lay down his own life for the sheep in order to save and restore them all. But really, it's actually in the first reading we heard this morning from the Hebrew Bible, from the book of the great prophet Jeremiah, where we find one of the earliest images ever given to us of God as a loving, sacrificing shepherd for all of God's people. The prophet Jeremiah is writing at that very moment when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon was wreaking havoc in the ancient kingdom of Judah, preparing to destroy and tear down the very temple that Solomon had built in Jerusalem. The Jewish kings that had been leading Judah at the time of the prophet Jeremiah, all the way up to that final king, King Zedekiah of Judah, had failed consistently in listening and following the direction of God through God's great prophet. And as 2 Kings chapter 24 declares in the Old Testament, King Zedekiah himself did evil in the sight of the Lord. It is in this morning's chapter, chapter 23 in Jeremiah, that the prophet proclaims the word of God to these kings, saying, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord God. It is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. Certainly, Early on in the history of salvation, God's people wanted to have kings. And so God allowed them to receive that request. But after King Solomon and really all the way through from King Saul through the greatest of all kings, King David, the kings of God's people had failed to care the right way for the people as God had intended. For God's view of leadership and care was never intended to be kings and rulers of power and prestige. From the beginning, God has used different images and examples like that important image of the shepherd. Someone who tends their flock with the absolute intention that every single member of that flock is valued, is needed, is protected, and is cared for. The shepherd is never just the overlord. The shepherd leads and watches and feeds, and he searches out the lost. The shepherd tends the sick. The shepherd protects the flock from the dangers of the wolves and the thieves. And it is that image that has been God's idea of really what God's creation, humanity, what its real oversight of creation should be from the very beginning. And oh, how that kind of oversight, when we experience it, always shapes and impacts us in our own day-to-day lives today. We see Jesus in the Gospel of Mark this morning engaged in that very same important approach. He is that shepherd which God promises this morning 
in those last verses of the prophet Jeremiah. And so when the apostles, God's flock, returns to Jesus and tell him that all that they've done and all that they have fulfilled in the name of Jesus, Jesus, first out of love and concern for his flock, wants them to take a break, to recharge them and give them the rest and restoration they need to go forward. Jesus says, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. But here's what happens when they go away by boat and they cross the Sea of Galilee to that quiet place. The word of them has spread all around the countryside and there is a mass of people who have gotten ahead of them and they're waiting for them when the boat lands. Certainly, I think all of us would understand if Jesus had just got out of the boat and to protect his tired apostles had scolded all of those people for coming uninvited and told them to go away. But the good shepherd always loves and cares for all of the sheep. And the scripture says, as Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. It is the shepherd who sees the sheep and it is the true shepherd who lays aside his own needs, his own wants and cares for all of them he comes in contact with. And Jesus does this because he loves them. And he does this for us because he loves us so very much. This is the image that gives us the very foundation of this servant leadership within the church. It is the leadership of a shepherd for the flock. And dare I say that any time you or me have felt our hearts lifted and our lives inspired by that friend or that teacher or that instructor or that manager or team leader, anyone who shepherded us, that strong connection emerging deep in our hearts comes to us because we are witnessing ourselves, someone living into that image that we've heard about, that image of the Good Shepherd. They are revealing to us in their own actions how God intended all of us to work with one another, to not lord it over the other and to let the other fall behind or ultimately fail, but to find ways to ensure that the last will be first, even as the first will be last, that the weakest will have a role to play with the strength and support of the strong together, that the smartest work to bring the struggling up to speed so that no souls are left behind. That's God's way of executing justice and righteousness in the land, as the prophet Jeremiah writes. That's God's call to servant leadership within us as his body, the church. That's the word and the action of a shepherd, and that's the action of a disciple of Jesus Christ, who is the good shepherd. We have all been transformed by that gracious care and leadership of the shepherd of God in heaven and the shepherds that God has sent among us here in our lives. And brothers and sisters, we are all called to turn around and become shepherds ourselves today for so many of those who are hungry for God's love, God's compassion, and God's forgiveness. We are all called to be shepherds to God's people. Amen.